Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. You know, some people wake up and let the weather dictate their day, but we don't. We've got bigger plans. We've got stuff to do. Amen. Weather's not going to stop me. Whether or not, amen, whether or not, and that even kind of gives me a little bit of a segue into where we're going. We're going to look at the story of when Jesus sent his disciples to the other side and a storm came. Come on, we all know the story, but just because you know the story doesn't mean you know the revelation God wants to reveal to you today. So even though we may be going somewhere that might seem familiar, Let's keep our ears and minds and hearts and eyes attentive and receptive because I believe God wants to show you something. God wants to reveal something to you that we haven't seen before. So I actually want to back up a little bit in front of that passage. And I want to start with verse 18. Verse 18, and it says, When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he instructed his disciples to cross to the other side of the lake. And then one of the teachers of religious law said to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go, right? That's a lot of times how we come to Jesus is we think about what's on the other side, but we don't think about the process to get to the other side. Sure, I'll follow Jesus to deliverance. I'll follow Jesus to hope. I'll follow Jesus to healing. But we might not be as interested in the process that gets us to the hope and the deliverance and the healing And so Jesus isn't just interested in getting you somewhere. He's interested in getting you through some stuff because while getting you to the other side may allow you to be an influence for what's on the other side, the process to getting to the other side is how God does his work in you because he wants to make sure when you get to the other side, you're ready to do his will. You're ready to do his purpose. And so this guy is ready to follow him wherever but is he willing to go through what he needs to go through to get there? So Jesus responds, it's kind of an interesting response. He says, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place even to lay his head. He's questioning his commitment. Another of his disciples said, Lord, first, everyone say first, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me now. Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. He's questioning his priorities. In the first instance, Jesus is questioning the guy's commitment. In the second instance, Jesus is questioning his priorities. No, 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 I come first. And then it says Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Actually, in the New King James, it reads, Jesus got into the boat and his disciples followed him. His disciples followed him. Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Everyone say little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the winds and waves obey him. Yeah, we might be interested in getting where 
God wants to get us, but are we interested in going through what we need to go through to see God do a work in our lives? I want to take you back to verse 18, and this first statement is, is interesting to me. It says, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he instructed his disciples to cross to the other side. In the New King James, it reads, and when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he commanded, he gave a command to depart to the other side. Now, most ministers, that's what they're interested in, is the crowd. That's what we want, is the crowd. So when the crowd shows up, we use that to actually validate that we're in the place that we need to be in. But Jesus actually develops an urgency based on the crowd that's all of a sudden shown up that says, we got to get out of here. That's interesting to me. Because what Jesus is revealing to us is that provision is not what he followed. People is not what he followed. Jesus followed his purpose, and therefore people and provision followed him. But see, we spend our life following, chasing, running after provision. Let me tell you something. If you stay where the provision is, you're not following God, you're following provision. Many of us won't allow God to lead us away from a place, this is a place of comfort. This is a place uh, where I've become, uh, you know, things are starting to show up, favor's starting to show up. Uh, uh, it's, It's a place where the things that I once believed for are now there. They got there because you followed God and they will leave when you stop following God. And so Jesus is revealing to his disciples that we don't follow people, we don't follow provision, we don't follow stuff, we follow God. And just the fact that we've got everything around us that we've been believing for and people are following us, people are searching us, people are coming to us is the very reason why we've got to now go to the other side. Most people won't be obedient to go to the other side. Most people won't be obedient to get up and leave. Most people are not willing to leave behind something to go after the plan and the purpose of God. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, you know the verse. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and what? And all these things will come chasing you down. These things will come find you. These things, the stuff that the world is chasing after, the stuff that the world is trying to find, the stuff, look, if you are chasing after it, you'll never find it. But if you will chase after the purpose and the plan of God for your life and commit yourself to his plan, then that stuff will have to come run you down and have to come find you. Amen. This is a prosperity message, if you didn't realize that. This is a message of how you prosper in the kingdom of God. And you don't prosper in the kingdom of God by chasing prosperity. You prosper in the kingdom of God by chasing purpose, and prosperity will come find you because God will always provide for his vision. That's why it's called provision. It's provision. It's provision for the vision. It's not provision so you can live comfortably. It's not provision so you can have everything you've ever wanted in life. It's not provision so people can look at you and say, oh, wow, look at that mighty man of God. Look at everything he has. It's provision to accomplish something. It's provision for an assignment. So if you're not chasing the assignment, God is not obligated to bring provision. 
God is not obligated to, he's, he's not Santa Claus. He's not your wish list bringer. He, he's not, you know, let me know all the things that are on the desires of your heart and I'll make sure they come. If you are chasing hard after his vision, he has no other choice but to provide, to see you accomplish and fulfill the assignment of God on your life. But you have to be committed to the purpose, not the stuff. Jesus did this so often, so many times. One of my favorite verses is Luke chapter four, verse 43. And, and uh, uh, he's in a town preaching and teaching the kingdom of God. And the people in the town say, please don't go. Please stay here. We want you to stay here. We want a four-week revival, Jesus. We want you to just come and preach to us. We wanna hear your words and we wanna see all your signs and all your wonders. And he says this to them. He says, I cannot stay here. I must teach and preach the kingdom of God to these other cities, to these other regions, to these other towns, because for that purpose, I have been sent. I wonder what would happen if we chased after purpose as hard as we chased after promotions, as hard as we chased after friendships, as hard as we chased after likes on a Facebook page, as hard as we chased after money, as hard as we chased after stuff. What would happen if we chased after God, chased after his plan? God would make sure you had everything around you. But here's the other thing. You would be surprised what you could live without. You would be surprised with what you didn't need. You'd be surprised. I don't need all those people to like me to be able to fulfill the God of, plan of God on my life. I don't need to have this and that and this stuff and that stuff. It, it, all of a sudden, it brings your priorities into focus when you follow the plan of God, when you follow his purpose, when you are committed to his assignment on your life. It's amazing the things that you realize you find out you could do more with less. Hello? And you, you, because this is what we do. We always overestimate what we could do if we had more and we underestimate what we can do if we had less. So God's trying to help us see that we're not chasing after the things that are supposed to be chasing after us. We're not running after the things that we think we need in life. God will reveal to us what we need in life when we become committed to his plan and to his call. As soon as Jesus sees these, see these multitudes coming, that's when he chooses to leave. Most people would stay. And this is what happens is now he's calling his disciples. He instructed his disciples is what the new living read. The new King James says that he gave a command to his disciples to depart to the other side. This multitude showing up, they're on the shore. They're on the, there's a, a, a lake, a sea of Galilee. They're on the shore. We've got the town. The town is now pushing them to the shore. And now you're on the brink of having to make a decision. Do I stay here committed to people? Or do I move on committed to the purpose of God? Now see, people are in the purpose of God. People, if you are fulfilling the purpose of God, you will be ministering to and meeting the needs of people. You'll be bringing to people what they need, what God has for them. This is something I've learned early on in ministry is I, I, I cannot make the priorities of people greater than the purpose of God. As a pastor, I, I, I'm telling you right now, I will run myself ragged trying to satisfy you and to make you happy. 
But when we become committed to the plan and purpose of God, and I as a pastor will submit my call and my assignment and even the plan and purpose of Anchor Faith Church here in Valdosta, if I'll get committed to what his heart is, I will be ensured that I'll be able to minister to your heart, that I'll be able to give you exactly what you need. But if I come up here trying to, well, okay, what, what do I think will make them happy? What do I think will satisfy them? What do I think they need? I mean, I have people tell me, it's like you were with me all week long and you got up there on Sunday and you preached exactly what I needed. That's the Holy Spirit. I can tell you right now, if I spent the week with you, just watching you and observing your life and got up here in the pulpit and tried to build something based off of that criteria and use the parameters of your life and your situation and your circumstance this past week, I would blow it. I would miss it. I would give you nothing. I might have some good advice. I might give you some of my experience, but only the Holy Spirit knows the exact word you need in the moment you're in right now. How in the world can you minister to as diverse of a group as this and be able to tug on hearts? Only God can do that. Only God can do that. So I gotta be committed to his purpose. I gotta be committed to his plan. And then the provision, the people, the stuff will come chasing that down. He says, uh, uh, or he has a couple of these individuals. They were followers of his. We got a teacher of religious law, one of the scribes. Says, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus makes it very clear. Uh, he, he measures his, his commitment he measures his commitment real quick. He says, you say you'll follow me everywhere I go. Let me tell you something. Foxes have dens and, and, and birds have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He's letting him know the price he's about to pay for what he just said. We have another individual that says, well, first let me go take care of my dead father, which he, what he's doing is he's putting his responsibilities, even his personal responsibilities before the kingdom of God. In essence, what this man is saying, hey, give me two or three days and I'll come. And Jesus said, no, the boat's leaving. We're going to the other side. I just gave the command, we're leaving. We don't have two or three days. We don't have time for you to, to fulfill your responsibilities and then answer the call. The call that he's giving, especially to his disciples, is, is not a casual call. Jesus is looking years downrange into the book of Acts, where these men will literally put their lives on the line and where we cannot have any, any hesitancy of pursuing and answering the call of God on your life. We, can't, we have to understand there is an urgency to discipleship. And I believe in our day and age, we're losing that urgency. We're losing the urgency. The American church is too comfortable. The American church has lost the urgency of discipleship. And so if we can check off all of our boxes, come on now, it's getting quiet in this Presbyterian church right now. As long as we can check off our boxes, then we're okay with it. Let me tell you what, God doesn't have a box for you to check. He gives you a call, he gives you an assignment, and he says, you coming or not? Notice he gave a command to depart to the other side. He's not asking, he's not taking a vote. He's, hey guys, anybody think we need to go take this thing to the other side? Are you, you guys good here? 
He's not asking for suggestions. He doesn't, he's not really interested in the disciples' ideas. He knows not only is there something on the other side, but there's a process to get to the other side that you need to endure that's gonna test your trust, test your discipleship, test your faith. Because a faith that is not tested cannot be trusted. If you trust in Jesus on the shore, Jesus isn't interested in that. Jesus isn't impressed with your uh, uh, commitment on the shore, your commitment as long as you're close to home. He wants to know, will you get out in the middle of the water and endure anything to see me work in your life and to answer the call of God on your life? We don't prove anything to God while we're on the shore. God wants to know how we're gonna respond and how we're gonna act when we get out into the middle of a storm. Now, obviously, they don't know where storm's coming, and he's not telling them a storm's coming. He knows a storm's coming because he's Jesus. He knows. But he's not really interested in the, 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 the storm. He knows the storm can't derail them if it's the purpose and the plan of God. If this is his assignment, if this is where he's leading and he's already given us some insight, he said, I don't go anywhere that my father doesn't tell me to go. I don't say anything the father doesn't tell me to say and I don't do anything the father doesn't tell me to do. I'm here on his initiative and his initiative phone. So we can know this. If he is saying we're going to the other side, he's not just getting that by whim. He's not just saying, guys, I'm tired of this place. You know, let's, let's, let's take this thing somewhere else. Uh, you know, I'm a little bored here. They, they don't, you know, the restaurants aren't any good over here. We need to go see what's on the other side. I hear that they've got a Cheddar's over there. We need to go check out Cheddar's. No, he's moved by the word of God. The Lord let, the, the Father led him to go to the other side. And so he gives a command. He gives a command. And so many times we, we want to be like these two gentlemen, that we want to list our idea of commitment. I mean, they, you know, they don't have bad intentions. They're, they're, they're not trying to derail his ministry. They're saying, hey, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus is always interested in going a little bit deeper, a little bit further. God, Jesus wants to get to their heart. God is interested in your heart. God is interested in what's going on in here. Do you have the wherewithal inside here, the fortitude inside here to literally go with me wherever I go? He ends up opening up later on in another passage with his disciples and saying, look, you're gonna follow me even to death. You will have to take up your cross to follow me. If you don't take up a cross, you can't follow me. It's not about following me to a location. It's about going through a process that will mold you and shape you, inform you, so you can be the greatest asset to the kingdom of God that God needs you to be. It's not about getting to a place of, of, of comfort. It's not about going from one comfortable place over to another comfortable place. Jesus is not inviting them on a cruise. He's inviting them to a commitment. Hello. So if you stay where the provision is, God's not leading you, provision's leading you. And then we recognize this, that commitment will always cost you something. You'll have to leave some things behind. See, we're always, we always think we have our hand open to what God wants for us. But the problem is a lot of times it's not that it's not open to what God wants, but it's still closed grabbing on to what we want. 
So that's a problem because unless I leave behind, let go of what I want, I can never fully access what he wants. And you know God wants great things for you, but you want great things for you too. You want things for you too. And so God is trying to help us recognize what the exchange looks like. You know, there's all, the exchange always reveals value. And so ultimately, these two men, what they did is they want God's call at a discount. They want a discount. They're basically asking Jesus if his commitment is for sale. Is it on sale this week? Got any ladies in here that love sales? My wife loves to convince me that a sale means I'm not spending any money. No, I'm not spending as much money. I'm still spending money. There's still something spent, even if it's at a discount. And hey, you know, I I remember my dad used to make a big fuss with that. You know, my mom would say, okay, here's the price for one, but if you buy two, then the price goes down this much. But he would always say, but I'm still spending more than what I would be buying if I just bought the one. I don't need to, I just need one. Oh, but you gotta buy two because it's on, I'm still spending more money than if I just bought the one. I'm gonna spend more to save more. <laughs> yeah, they got you, they got you. So these guys are looking for a two for one discount. They're, they're saying, uh, how can I get that but keep this? That, I mean, that, that would be like going, uh, uh, going into Publix and grabbing something that's not on sale, full price, and going to checkout, and they say, all right, you know, that's gonna be, you know, uh, you know $5 for that box of cereal. I'll give you $2.50. Yeah, not gonna happen. No, it's $5. It's in a garage sale. It's in bargain shopping. Dollar General's down the road. No, there's no, Jesus is clarifying, making clear what the cost is. And if you're unwilling to make the exchange, then it reveals your value. Value is always revealed in what you're willing to give up. Period. Value is always revealed in the exchange. And so these two men, they're gonna make an exchange, but at a discount. I'll come with you in two to three days. I'll follow you as long as you can get me in the nicest places and, and you, can, you can ensure my comfort and convenience along the way. Well, those two men, especially the first one, would be greatly dissatisfied when he got in the boat and ended up in a storm because we know, we know, we're, we're looking back on their lives. They don't know, but we know they're getting ready to end up into a travesty, they're getting to end, end up in a place where they literally believe they're gonna lose their life in the middle of the sea. That's how bad this storm was. Bad enough to wake up Jesus. These guys are fishermen. These guys, uh, uh, you know, these other disciples, if they're freaking out in a storm, you know it must be bad. You see these guys, I mean, that's like, you know, being in an airplane. If you see the pilot panicking, we got a problem. That's the first thing I look for. When there's turbulence in an airplane, I find the first stewardess I can get my eyes on, see what she's doing. If she's calm, we good. She's been through this before. But if she's 
buckling, trying to sit down real quick, looking for oxygen mask. Okay, we got, okay, let's start bracing ourselves. We might, we might be going through something that's a little outside of the norm. Amen. And so they're getting ready to head into some stuff. And, and so Jesus is, is making sure that their commitment level is at the place it needs to be because he knows what's coming on the other side. God wants you to answer the call. God wants you to fulfill the assignment. God wants you to fulfill the purpose of God on your life. But there are some little tests along the way that he's wanting to determine where's your commitment level at. Because we will never fulfill our assignment beyond the level of our commitment. It's impossible. It's impossible to be productive and fruitful with our lives if we're not willing to be committed I'm talking about commitment. We're talking about sticking this thing through. We're talking about what true commitment looks like. Commitment will cost you your comfort. Commitment will cost you your convenience. These things are, you are going to leave on the shore to get into the boat. You're gonna leave them on the shore so that you can get into the boat. And I mean, have you ever noticed people that say the most sometimes do the least? I mean, we don't have any more instances of anybody else saying, yeah, Jesus, I'll go. Yeah, Jesus, I'm with you. Yeah, Jesus, I'll to go anywhere you wanna go. Take me wherever you want, man. I'm excited. I can't wait to be here. I can't wait to do this thing. No, the rest of them just like, okay, we're just gonna get in the boat. We're not saying nothing, right? Because if you're committed, your actions will reveal your commitment. Your actions go do a, a much better job of revealing your commitment than your voice will ever do. So we don't wanna be people, you know, the, the most vocal are sometimes the least committed. Hey, I'll be there, you can count on me, I'm gonna do this, whatever you need. But then when it comes time, or when a trial shows up, or a challenge shows up, I mean, I've learned as a pastor, I remember when we first uh, uh, began talking about coming here to Valdosta and, 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 and doing the work here, uh, we had several individuals in our previous location that approached us and said, hey, we believe we're, we're called to come with you. We believe that we're, we're called to, I had one individual that says, I believe you and I will do ministry together for the rest of our lives. I mean, even, even went that far. That individual was only about 19 years old, so I knew better than to believe that. I'm a young kid myself. I was about 27, 28 when this thing got going. And, and, and so, you know, sometimes we have the idea, the concept of what the commitment's gonna look like. And, and we, we may even have the desire, but do we have the initiative? And do we have the drive? And do we have the fortitude to stick it out? And, and so I've learned uh, over the last eight years of pastoring this church, that it's not the people that are vocal that are gonna commit to you. It's the people that are active that will commit. What are you willing to do? What are you willing to do? and stick that out. These two individuals both said, I will follow you, I will do this, I will do that. Did not end up committing, but yet we're still able to get several in the boat that commit. Maybe didn't say they would be committed, but they followed Jesus into the boat. 
This is the thing you got to understand about these boats. Boats are not designed to take everyone that's on the shore. Not everyone that's on the shore is going to get in the boat. The boat is designed to weed out those that are too comfortable on the shore to take the step into the boat. And look, getting into the boat is a step. That's a step of faith. Getting into a boat with Jesus and just saying, we're going to the other side and not really knowing what that process looks like. That's a level of faith. That demands faith right there. Every disciple that got into the boat exercised a level of faith. Exercise the level of I'm trusting you with my life. I'm trusting you with my purpose. I'm leaving behind my comfort. I'm leaving behind my family. I'm leaving behind my convenience. I'm leaving behind what feels good. I'm leaving behind what I know. I'm leaving behind what's familiar. And I'm gonna press on towards what you have for me. So I'm gonna get in this boat. Where are we going? Because all he said was we're going to the other side. You know, for me, I would have needed to see an itinerary. That's the way I'm wired. That's the way I, that's the way I, I, I need to check the boxes. Let me go pray about it. Let me know all your ideas, all the agenda. Let me know every stop we're going to make, every town we're going to hit. How long do you think we'll be at each town? What all do I need to pack? And Jesus is just giving a command. As soon as he sees these people coming, he gives a command to his disciples. Hey, let's get in this boat. We got to head over to the other side. Wait a minute. Are you sure? Look at all these people here. This is why we're here, right? No, no, we got to get this thing to the other side. We're not moved by people. We're not moved by, by, by provision. We're not moved by this stuff. We are only moved by the purpose of God. It's time to go to the other side. He gives the command. And so this boat this boat has a, has a way of weeding out those that aren't committed. We have a way of, of revealing who's following Jesus on the shore, who's with Jesus as long as it's comfortable, but who's willing to step out because Jesus is here for a mission. Jesus is here for a purpose. Jesus is not here to make people happy and satisfied. Jesus is here to get the mission of God accomplished. And so that means it's going to take us places. And we can't camp out here. We can't stay here. We've got to keep this thing moving. So who's going to get in the boat? Who's going to get in the boat? Now we see this storm come. It's interesting. It's, it's, it's evident Anytime you answer the call of God on your life, that answering the call of God does not promise you smooth sailing. He will promise that you will get to the other side, nothing more and nothing less. I will get you there. I can't promise you what conditions will be like on the way there. I can't, I can't promise you what you'll be like when you get there. I can't, be, I can't promise you who's gonna hate you because you follow me. I can't promise you who's gonna turn their back on you because they're gonna turn their back on me. But know that if they turn their back on you, they've already turned their back on me. I can't promise you how people will treat you, but I can tell you, you will make it to the other side. But it will cost you something. It will cost you something. Smooth sailing. No, not for following God. Because again, Jesus is doing a work in these men. 
in them. Up till now, they've only seen Jesus do a work around them. Healing the sick. I mean, the reason why these multitudes are coming to Jesus is because if you back up into the verses previous, he's healing everybody and casting out demons and he's delivering people. But Jesus is not just interested in doing a work around you. He wants to do a work in you. And that work comes through tests. That work comes through trials. That work, because you don't know commitment until it's challenged. You don't know commitment until things are taken away or you ask someone to lay something down. Because I will tell you this, God won't take anything away from you, but he will ask you to lay them down. And that's up to you. That's up to you. Well, the Bible says the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. No, the Bible doesn't say that. Job said that. Job didn't know what he was talking about. Because in that very moment, Job was questioning the very character of God by making that statement. Because the whole rest of the book of the Bible is not conducive. The whole rest of the Bible is not uh, 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 consistent with his conclusion that the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. No, he doesn't. The Lord gives. He's a giver. He's a giver of life. And he wants you to have life, so much life that you can't even fathom it. Life exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. Life so good, you can't even wrap your brain around it. How good he wants you to have it. But there is a thief that will come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And sadly enough, God gets blamed for a lot of the stuff the devil's doing. And on the flip side, the devil gets blamed for a lot of stuff God's doing. I said it on Wednesday. If you miss Wednesday's message, man, you got to get it. We've been teaching on endurance. We've been teaching on being persistent and, and, and fighting through, battling through. I said it on Wednesday that... Many times, it's the devil that wants to make you comfortable and it's God that wants to disrupt your stuff. Not disrupt you as in make you measly and broke and take stuff away from you. He wants to disrupt your life and challenge the status quo because he knows there's more in you. Jesus knows there's something in these disciples. If he can just get them in the boat, if he can just get them, and he can't tell them everything that's going to happen ahead of time because it would defeat the purpose. Faith is walking out the unknown. Faith is walking out what you can't comprehend. Faith is walking out, and faith is always necessary to fulfill the assignment of God. You cannot do it without faith. If it doesn't require faith, it's not God. And so he's calling them out. Hey, we've got a purpose. We've got an assignment on the other side of the lake. Let's go. I mean, right now, I mean, look at all these people. Right now. But Jesus, we just got everybody here. Right now. Jesus will call you out. Right when you get comfortable, he'll start shuffling your stuff around. He'll start disrupting stuff. And you blame it on the devil. You blame it on friends and family. And God's saying, no, no, no. I'm trying to push you out further. I'm trying to stretch your faith. I'm trying to get you to a place beyond where you're at. You've seen me move here. You've seen me move in this town. You've seen me move with these people. You've seen me heal the sick. You've seen me cast these devils out. God wants to do this somewhere else, but we've got to get to another place. 
and we've got to cross some stuff to get there. Amen. Anybody that's had your faith disrupted in the last six months, can I just see your hand? Yeah, he's challenging you. He's moving you. He's stretching you. He's growing you. He's training you. He's testing you. He's moving you to a place that God wants to pull something out of you. Every hand that just went up is an indicator that God is working and moving in your life. Amen. So now they get in this boat and this storm comes. Back up there in um, verse 23. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. And in the New King James, it actually reads this way. Now, when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. Because that's what disciples do. They follow. Disciples don't talk about it. Disciples do it. Disciples don't just say, I'll follow you wherever you go. Disciples get in the boat. And they don't have to say anything because their actions reveal more than their words ever could. Disciples followed him into the boat. And suddenly, a great tempest. Suddenly, all of a sudden, suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Now, Jesus... Jesus' inner attitude form in the trial. This tells me that just because something tragic might be happening around me, it's my choice if I let it happen to me. Just because something is breaking apart around me, but when we confuse this, guys, we end up compromising the call of God and the assignment of God on our life. If we're not careful, we will take stuff that's happening around us and immediately start applying it to us. Start taking it personal. Now I've heard ministers preach it and I'm not refuting it because I don't know for a fact, but, but you know, you've heard ministers preach, well, you know, that storm came to stop them. That storm came. It could have just been a storm. It could have just been, regardless of why the storm came and how the storm came, you choose your response. Jesus is sleeping. Now, Jesus could have immediately gotten up, especially even knowing that the storm was coming, and calmed the storm. Maybe he could have had a little teaching session before they got off into the water and said, hey, guys, we're going to the other side. And no matter what comes, we're going to make it. But now if a storm or something crazy like that, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if something crazy happens, all you got to do is get out on this boat and say, in Jesus' name, stop. And it will stop. Just saying. Just throwing that out there. It could be anything. It could be a sea monster come up. No, he doesn't even have a teaching session on it. Why? Because he gave the command to go to the other side. Hello? That's all he needed. The weather is not greater than God's word. The weather is not greater than God's word. He knows this. I gave the word. We're going to the other side. Okay? So look at his response to the disciples. Disciples come. They wake him up. Where am I at? 
Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went, woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? Why are you fearful? And then he makes this statement. You have so little faith. Now, it seems like a very discouraging thing to tell somebody that maybe doesn't know. I mean, these guys don't know. <clears throat> these guys don't know. Can I get some water up here? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <clears throat> um, these guys don't know everything. I mean, we're talking three years he spent with these disciples in totality. Where we're at in their length of ministry, sure, they've seen him do some great things. They at least had faith. They at least had the faith to go wake up Jesus and said what? Lord, save us. If anything, if I were Jesus, I would have encouraged, if I were Jesus, I would have encouraged them and said, man, great job in coming and getting me. Your faith in me is great. But he wanted to stretch them beyond that. He wanted to stretch them beyond that. He says this, you have so little faith. It's actually a word of encouragement. What he's trying to help them see is the same faith that got you in the boat is the same faith that will get you through the storm. He's telling them, you trusted me to get in here. Why don't you trust me to get to the other side? Somebody with me? See, when we're committed to the call, yes, our faith will grow. Yes, our faith will strengthen. But he said in other passages, it's the faith of a mustard seed that will cause mountains to move. Was he necessarily expecting them to stand up in the storm and say, peace be still? I think he was looking for a trust and assurance that no matter what comes against us, it can't stop us. See, this is why the storms of life, the challenges of life and the trials of life are so necessary. Guys, we do this so many times. We push away the very things. Our response to the struggles. You're greater than the struggles. No struggle can take you out. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your current challenges. I don't know what your current circumstances. I don't know how well this relates to you as far as storms and trials and challenges, but I'm here to tell you, you will get to the other side. If there's anything I've learned about the life of faith is there's ebbs and flows. There's valleys and there's mountaintops. And I want a mountaintop faith in the valley. I want to be like David. They, yeah, uh, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm walking through. I'm walking through. It will not touch me. It will not hurt me. And it cannot stop me. If anything, the devil's going to regret bringing anything against me because it only strengthened me for the rest of this race. 
Worship team, if you come, look at Philippians chapter three. Philippians chapter three. See, you have to know, you have to know before you go, you have to know before you go that you'll get through. Before. I'm wanting to shore up your confidence today in the call and the assignment on your life. I wanted to shore up and bring some fortitude, some strength on the inside of you that no matter what you go through, it cannot forfeit and compromise and divert you from the call of God. Only you can do that. If you can bring me out of these monitors, please. Only you can do that. The plan of God, the call of God, the purpose of God is not as long as everything goes right. His call and His purpose is so sure. You can be so confident. You can be so matter of fact that no matter what happens to your marriage, no matter what happens to your bank account, no matter what happens to your job, no matter the ebbs and flows of life, the ups and the downs, the valleys and the mountaintops, nothing can stop the plan of God. Nothing. Paul writes this way in Philippians chapter 3. You've seen these verses in the New Living. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. I'm pressing. I'm moving forward. He's not looking back. He's not, he, 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 he's not concerned about what's happening around him because he knows that it can't happen to him. The plan of God is greater. I'm pressing on for what Christ Jesus possessed me. That's purpose. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past looking forward to what lies ahead. I'm forgetting the shore. I'm forgetting familiarity. I'm leaving behind what I know. I'm leaving behind my comfort. I'm leaving behind my convenience and I'm pressing on because there's something on the other side. But on the way there, there's waters. On the way there, there's a boat. On the way there, there may be trials and, 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 and tribulations, he said, but trust in me. Remember, he said, be of good cheer. Why? Because I've overcome it. Whatever is happening around you, he's already overcome. Press through. He says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. 
no matter what is happening around you, guess what? If you've answered the call, he's in your boat. If you answered the call, if you are responding to his voice and responding to the assignment he's placed on your life, no matter what happens around you, ever will take away from the fact that he will never leave you, he will never forsake you, he will be closer than a brother, he will abide with you forever. You can be assured of that. Father, we come to you this morning. And we acknowledge today that there is an assignment, there is a plan, there is a purpose greater than us, bigger than us on our lives. Father, there are those in this room this morning that have answered that call, answered the call to fulfill the assignment, answered the call because they know the potential's great. They know there's something great on the other side. But Father, they're in the middle of it today. They've left behind comfort. They've left behind their plans their agendas they responded to the command of God to follow you but now they're starting to see some things around them that might not be indicative of the plan and the purpose that you have that it may not look like the end but Father I know you're with them in the storm You're with them in the valley. You're with them in the trial. And the same faith that they stepped out on to answer the call is the same faith they need to fulfill the call. I just believe right now he's speaking to hearts. He's speaking to minds. He's wanting you to know that he's with you, that he has not forsaken you. Even Jesus with his disciples had to encourage them. There'll be times when it'll feel like you're alone. There'll be times when it'll feel like nobody's around. But remember that my Holy Spirit will abide with you forever. He confirmed that to them before he ever went to the cross. He wants you to know the same thing today. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.